All right, let's take our Bibles then and turn to a story in 2 Kings. 2 Kings will be in uh, chapter 18. And what I'd like to do this evening is go through this uh, chapter, read some verses, kind of give some commentary thoughts on it, read some verses, commentary, because it's an incident in the life of King Hezekiah that is mentioned three times in our Bibles. And it's the account where you have uh, the the, um, Assyrians coming up and they're invading Judah. And they are taking Judah city by city by city. In fact, not just Judah, but Egypt and all the surrounding areas. They're conquering one city-state after another through the the area. And what they do is they get to Jerusalem and they're on the doorstep of Jerusalem and you have the whole incident there. You've got conversation between the Assyrians, Rabshakeh in particular, and those in Jerusalem. Hezekiah is part of that. And Isaiah, who also is in Jerusalem at that time, is with them. And the Lord does a great deliverance for his people there. And what's interesting is this, this incident is um, somewhat lengthy, as it's given in our Bibles. And again, it's mentioned three different times. <clears throat> and in those times, you have a lot of detail. You've got it here in 2 Kings chapter 18. You've got it in 2 Chronicles 32. There you have just verses 1 to 22. And you also have it in Isaiah. Isaiah records it in chapters 36 and 37. And that the the story as it's given, it's just remarkable how much detail is given in these uh, instances for us to remember. And I think there's, as I started getting into this, there is a lot here that we could talk about. Um, But I want to focus in our time, when it's all said and done, is on Hezekiah's prayer. And of course, as we're gathered together here to pray, to to be thinking and and gathering some things from that. So like I said, what I'd like to do is um, read a lot of verses here. And at first, I'm going to summarize just some of these opening verses, and we'll start that reading portion, verse 28. But the story begins in verse 13, the account of what happens here. And if your uh, Bible has headings, you might notice here it it says there's an invasion of Judah in uh, 2 Kings 18, beginning in verse 13. And so let me just read that uh, first verse to give the setting. It says, Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. Like I mentioned, you've got this uh, this enemy, the Assyrians, 
marching through the land, taking city by city by city. And Hezekiah is afraid. And what he does is he goes to Sennacherib and he says, okay, what do you want? And Sennacherib gives an amount of money and says, okay, we want, you know, this much money and it is a lot of money. So what Hezekiah does is he gives him just about everything he has. Like, I mean, he looks around in his uh, temple, in the temple and in the treasuries, and he tells his servants, get a box, put the jewels and the gold in the box. I mean, it'd be like, you know, we've seen a lot of gold and jewels here recently with the death of the queen. And, you know, just imagine like the crown and the jewels and whatever you've got. He says, put it in that. And um, he sends that amount or all those items to Sennacherib. And when Sennacherib gets it, he says, it's not enough. He's still coming. Because if he can pay off, Hezekiah was thinking, if I can pay off Sennacherib, and he doesn't have to actually come in here and destroy everything. And besides, he has to use all his resources. Maybe we can get away without a war or with our, with our city intact. And Sennacherib decides he's going to continue. <clears throat> so Sennacherib sends uh, some leaders, some of his officers, to the battle scene. And one of them, his name is Rabshakeh. And Rabshakeh comes to Jerusalem And basically, he becomes the mouthpiece for Assyria, especially in the dialogue between Jerusalem, Hezekiah, and Assyria, and Sennacherib. And Rabshakeh is there, and he's going to be the one to kind of go back and forth. And this is what he says. And what he says is recorded in all the passages that that we have of this instant in our Bibles. And basically, he says this: Don't have confidence in Egypt, or excuse me, yeah, don't have confidence in Egypt. Do not trust the Lord. And he mentions something like, you know, if you you are so weak that if I were to give you horses, you would not be able even to put riders on them. And he even says, then your God told me to come and destroy your cities. Um, Israel is there listening. And just, you know, they're hearing this, they're understanding what's happening, and they are afraid. And Israel's commanders, as they hear Rabshakeh, they say, you know, don't speak to us in the Hebrew. We understand you in Aramaic. And uh, because what they want to do is just the the leaders knew the, the language. They didn't want all their people to hear it and be frightened by what they were saying. Rabshakeh. He continues in Hebrew and to warn everyone that he can, that can hear him. And they, I mean, he gets to this point, he says, and whoever else is listening, that they are doomed to drink their own urine and eat their own dung. I mean, he is just uh, adamant that he is going to come in and put fear in them to the extent that they would surrender. And so uh, he gives all of that speech and defies, basically, is defying the Lord God. <clears throat> and so 
Let's pick it up here in verse 28. And he's, this is, again, this is Rabshakeh. And he is going to continue his, uh, his speech and all of his warnings against Israel. And he says this, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judean, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Syria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me, and eat each of you his vine, and each of you uh, his fig tree, and drink each of the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. And he continues, verse 33. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of uh, Sepharavim and Hena and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their land from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. But the people were silent and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah, with their clothes torn, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. And so here's, here's Rabshakeh, and he is the mouthpiece for Sennacherib. And he's saying, do not trust Hezekiah. Do not trust the Lord. Make peace with us. Now it's on their terms. And, you know, as they're listening, <clears throat> he's making it sound real nice. But who knows what they would do to them? <clears throat> and he basically says this, No God has stopped us yet. No God, even Yahweh, will stop us now. And so there is this true defiance against uh, all they're doing, this, this arrogance, this pride. And he is just out there declaring what they can do, and he's saying not even Yahweh will be able to stop us. It kind of reminds me of somebody else that said something like this, that stood in front of another army and defied the Lord or the God of Israel. That was Goliath. Remember Goliath and his situation. And this happens... Um, this happened throughout Israel's history, and here we are, where you've got this situation. The nation has come. They have defeated everyone up to this point, and they're saying to those in Jerusalem, do not think you're going to escape us. Don't, don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't trust your gods. Don't trust the Lord. We're coming for you. And you can imagine the fear and the... Um, 
the anticipation of everyone that's there. And what happens is, is nobody says anything. When they're there, they hear this. The king's word is, don't answer him. Just let him talk and come back with word to me. So they take what they said, go back to Hezekiah. So what does Hezekiah do? Well, that's in verse 19. In verse 19, it, start, it starts here, it says, <clears throat> And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. For children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah says to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. <clears throat> so Isaiah, what is he doing? He is saying the exact opposite of what Rabshakeh had said. Rabshakeh had said, when don't listen to Hezekiah, don't trust in the Lord, don't trust in Yahweh. Isaiah comes back, you know, Hezekiah, he's, you, can, you can just see the fear with the sackcloth, and he is uh, sending the elders, and they go to Isaiah, and they're like, this is a day of distress, rebuke, rejection. You know, that we are in dire straits. We are about to be destroyed. You know, Isaiah, help. <laughs> and Isaiah then comes back with this and says, you do not need to be afraid. He says, thus says the Lord. And there are... A couple of things here. He, he does say <clears throat> uh, there's a command, and that is to not be afraid. And not be afraid, not of the, the army that's sitting out there, but be afraid of the words that you have heard. What they have said is not true. And besides that, they have blasphemed the name of the Lord. Do not listen to them. And here is a prophecy or a promise. And it's this. They're going to, he, he is going to make, God is going to make Rabshakeh, and not just Rabshakeh, but Sennacherib, hear a rumor. And the rumor is he's going to go somewhere else. <clears throat> And eventually, he's going to, that is, Sennacherib, is going to go back to his own land. And in his own land, he will be killed with the sword. I mean, this is getting really specific. And Isaiah, 
is uh, willing to say this to uh, not just uh, Hezekiah, but to the nation as a whole, to say to everyone, we don't need to be afraid. Well, what happens after that? If you continue on in verse 8, it says this, Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. And when he heard them say concerning uh, Tehirakah, king of Cush, Behold, he has come out to fight against you, he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah. So what's happened here is, let me just pause. So the king of Assyria did hear a rumor, and he did go and leave. And when he left, he he, it was like he said, sent word back to Hezekiah. It's like he's going to tell Hezekiah, you know, I'm leaving, but don't think I'm coming back. I'm not going to come back for you. I am coming back for you. And that's what he's going to say. Let's read it. He says, behold, or excuse me, verse 10, thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Because, parentheses, he's leaving, or he's in someplace else. Behold, you have heard what the king of Assyria, kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely. So will you be spared? Did the gods of, this, of those nations which my fathers destroyed deliver them, even Gozin and Haran and Rezpah and the sons of Eden who were in uh, Telsar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of uh, Sepharavim and of Hena and Iva? What he's doing is he's, he's recounting in this letter, he wrote a letter back to, to Hezekiah saying, do not think I'm not going to come back for you. I'm going to come back and I will destroy you. Look at all these other people that I have destroyed. So there is the sense in which Isaiah, <clears throat> there has been this partial fulfillment of what Isaiah said was going to happen. And now you've got the whole situation where uh, Hezekiah is faced with, what is he going to do now? He knows that, yes, he might be distracted for a little bit, but when he's finished, wherever he is, he is going to come back and destroy Jerusalem. So again, you've got this great distress in Israel as they are facing the whole situation. Now look what Hezekiah does, and this is, this is where um, originally I thought about all this because this is his prayer in verses 14 through 19. This is Hezekiah's prayer in light of all of that's taking place. Verse 14. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, now listen to what he says. O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, 
The kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from the hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. And what you have in that are just so many things that I think can be even instructive for us. When Hezekiah was in this very difficult and even tragic or soon to be in his mind tragic situation he is coming before the Lord and he he humbles himself and it's very descriptive here right you can almost see him taking that letter probably was a scroll or something took that letter goes up to the house of the Lord and he goes in there and he spreads that letter out like he's just He's letting the Lord see it and says, here's the letter. Look at this. And he says, Lord, do you see what they are saying? I mean, read this. Open your eyes, Lord. Look and see what they're saying. And it's his, the, the theme here is not so much deliverance, although there is that prayer. But it's, but it's the theme of this is what they have said against you and your glory, and who you are. And it's, he just lays it out there and just is in, then kind of just anticipates what the Lord is going to do in that. And here's the next section, verses 20, then all the way down through verse 34. You're wondering, what does the Lord say in a situation like this? What is he going to say to, in, a, in essence, Rabshakeh? Now, we don't even know if, probably not, the Rabshakeh and Sennacherib, they probably didn't even get this, this portion. Perhaps they did. I don't know. But we know that Hezekiah did, and Israel did, and we have it in front of us. And you want to remember that this is the word of the Lord before anything else happens. They are still under siege. The enemy is still out there with hundreds and thousands and even hundreds of thousands of soldiers waiting and just ready to come in and destroy this city. And what, do, what did the Lord say? Verse 20, Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard you. This is the word of the Lord that is spoken against him. She has despised you and mocked you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? This is God asking Sennacherib. And against whom have you raised your voice? And haughtily lifted up your eyes. Here, he, this is it. Against the Holy One of Israel. The, through your messengers, you have reproached the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I came up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon. And I cut down its tall Caesars and its choice cypresses 
and I entered its farthest lodging place, its thickest forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Again, this is Assyria bragging. God's saying, you've bragged this. Verse 25, have you not heard? Long ago I did it. From ancient times I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore their inhabitants were short of strength. They were dismayed and put to shame. They were as the vegetation of the field and as the green herb, as grass upon the housetops is scorched before it is grown up. It's like God has said, I am using you in this way to destroy. But verse 27, but I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me and because of your arrogance has come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips and I will turn you back by the way which you came. That's the message to Sennacherib. And if you want to know how it is true, verse 29, then this shall be the sign for you. You will eat uh, this year what grows of itself. In the second year what springs from the same. In the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. In other words, Israel's not going anywhere. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Verse 32, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defeat this city, excuse me, defend, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And what you've got here is an extended word from the Lord to the enemies of Israel. And he, the Lord says, I knew what you were doing. And I'm even the one that has given you the strength to go through and do what you did. And now I have heard your arrogance against me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a hook in your nose. Think of that imagery. And drag you back to your your country. And a bridle. And you're going to go where I want you to go. And so there is that statement Isaiah gives Hezekiah, that statement. And remember, the army is still out there. They're still looking in, or they're, they're in the area. They may not actually be right outside their walls, but they're in the area, and they are destroying, and they're doing all this, and they are just waiting or uh, taking their time, and they know it's a matter of just time, unless something drastic happens. And now the scripture does not say what Hezekiah thought, It doesn't say what the people thought or what happened in them. But you can imagine as they heard this, that there was that reality of we're just going to wait and see what happens. I mean, how in the world are we going to have to fight? Is there going to have to be some other, you know, something to happen? And it turns out they don't have to do anything. The Lord does it all. 
Verse 35. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at, lived at Nineveh. <clears throat> it's like he, it just suddenly in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord goes through and destroys or kills all these soldiers. And they wake up and they're all dead. And in a way, I like how the scriptures don't give, in, don't, don't give this like battle that goes on against, you know, the Lord and all these people. Like there's this huge battle and, you know, it goes back and forth and, you know, uh, suddenly this happens or that happens. It's just, you've got one verse, hardly a verse <clears throat> that simply says God went in and killed them all. And so what happens then? Verse 36, so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh, just as Isaiah, the word of the Lord, had predicted would happen. And not only that, verse 37, it came about as he was worshiping in the house of uh, Nishrach, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword, his own children, and they escaped into the land of Ararat, and Erehadon, his son, became king in his place. It happened just as it was predicted. And it's, <clears throat> it shows the strength and the working of God in and among his people. But when you look back and think of <clears throat> Hezekiah, when Hezekiah prayed, he, he took that letter and took it before the Lord, as we talked about. And as he prays, his, it, the reality is his humility is unmistakable. And his request includes the glory of God. That he would be praying for those things on, on his behalf of his people. And he's praying for the glory of God. And God vindicates his name among them. And really, when we, when we are praying... And the situations around us seem to be daunting. Some of these things here, coming before the Lord in humility, coming before him, and even taking that problem, whatever it is, and like Hezekiah, kind of like spreading it out before him and saying, here's, here's what I, I'm facing right now. Here's our situation. And praying in such a way that we would have in our mind the ultimate working of God, his glory. What is he doing in the earth? What is he doing in our lives to bring him glory? And we would be praying 
in that fashion, where we're thinking of the big picture, we're thinking of all that God uh, is, and praying that he might accomplish it for his glory, and to solve whatever problem we are facing. And we know that whatever problem we're facing, God does hear us, and he does work in our behalf. And whether it is full deliverance or whether it is uh, the struggling or sometimes the difficulties that we have to walk through, we know and have that promise that all things are working together for our good and that the Lord is going to use those things for his glory. And whatever we're going through, you know, as we are faced with those situations, we can trust in the promises of God. You know, as Isaiah had told Hezekiah and the people that they did not need to worry. They didn't need to fear that they would not, they would be safe within the walls of Jerusalem. And, uh, that the admonition there was to trust in the Lord, whatever they were going to go through and uh, put their trust in him. And, you know, the world and, and kind of use uh, Sennacherib as a, <clears throat> as a type of the world that says, you know, don't trust in the Lord. Don't trust in his ways. You know, how in the world is that going to work out? Do you really believe that about God and his promises? That kind of doubt, that kind of rhetoric has been around for as long as men have been around. And we can, by God's grace, trust in him. So even as you go to prayer, even as we go to prayer tonight and as later throughout the week, as you're going to the Lord in prayer, you know, coming back to this passage, and, you know, we're not in the exact same situation, but we can think of, think through Hezekiah, his whole demeanor, all that he did, the way he brought his request before the Lord. And that can be a pattern for us as we come before the Lord. And I trust that even, uh, even this evening that we would take that as our own and uh, pray before the Lord in that fashion. So let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer this evening.